0: 84 86 <laughs> Since I was a little kid That's, I, think, I know I've seen out. it
1: But I think I saw it like one time Yeah 30 years ago
0: That's crazy that It's weird. Funny.
1: It's weird to be able to say I did something 30 years ago Yeah you're old as fuck I know I do not want to talk about it <laughs> Shut up you two So if we're ready Yeah I am ready Alright Story in the news today you believe in ghosts and the paranormal?
2: Now, are they are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental, you know, governmental? I don't uh, know. That they're building?
0: And police in Espanola are catching more than just criminals. They're
3: catching images of what they believe are ghosts.
0: This is weird animal-like creature. That was Sean, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. And welcome to Season 3 of Strange Uncles. I'm Shane. I'm John. I'm Season 3, Episode 1. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, guys? Nothing much. Yeah. Just getting ready for the new year. I know. Yeah, we're actually recording this a little bit ahead of time-ish, but uh, yes, the holidays are almost fucking thankfully over.
1: They're almost over, everyone. Oh my God. Too Hanging much. In there.
2: <laughs> what are you guys going to do for
1: New Year's Eve? I think I might go home after this and sit on my couch, but- yeah, Such a rock star, dude. God. Such a rock star. There's three different parties, but God, it's just- that I, I want to go to, but I just- I want the party. I'm just feeling real like. them to come to
0: you, don't
2: you? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I just, honestly, my thing is I don't want to deal with an Uber when I'm ready to leave. Nope. Yep. And I don't want to pay exactly. those jacked up prices. And I know at midnight it's going to be ridiculous. Oh, dude, I can't even. Shit, not even at midnight. It'll probably start at 10 oh, yeah. ish. Oh, yeah, for sure. Know? So Anything I just kind of want buck. to avoid that. I want to hang out with everybody, but. Also, I've got a couch and beers at home, so
2: <laughs> there is that great. Do have a, a lot of Year. TV to catch up on?
1: Yeah. So, wow. I don't know. We'll we'll see. Tori says she's going to convince me to go, but oh, she's all. I saw her little Christmas outfit for Christmas. She's as festive
0: as she is for New Year's as she was for Christmas. Then she's going to drag you out somewhere. I'm pretty sure because she was she had a mission. It seemed it's going to
1: take a lot of convincing. <laughs>
2: is
0: it really? Oh, I'm sure. So figure out a way. Yeah, yeah. She'll, she'll be always like, does. hey, I called the
1: lift, let's go. Mm-hmm. Fuck, okay. I'll pay for it.
0: That's all it takes right
1: there. Yeah. If oh, so. she pays for the lift, maybe I'll go. I promise I'm not cheap, everyone, but I just.
0: <laughs> well, you're not sounding like it. A... Well, no. yeah, you are.
1: <laughs> those are <laughs> You totally are. Those
2: are how you uh, justify your want to just not go anywhere. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm, j-
1: I'm more lazy than cheap, but then I can just say it's too expensive and then. There you go. Well, you can be
0: in our predicament where you just walk down the road to Poplar. So, you know, that might be on the agenda. I yeah. don't know. We'll see what happens. So hopefully I see you guys. If not, uh, you know, we'll figure it out. Um, spent the Christmas in Vegas, which was weird because it was like really dead, you know? Wasn't it? Yeah. Well, granted, we were up 430 in the morning. <clears throat> Maybe that's why it was dead. But we're on the strip trying to get food and there was like no cars, no people, no. It was just weird.
1: Well, it's 4.30 in the morning.
0: Yeah, but it's Vegas, so
1: there's that. I mean, it still kind of mellows out, though. Yeah, it's got to eventually. 4.30 in the morning, I mean, people can only drink for so long. (laughs)
0: True, and we did try. (laughs) <laughs> so, but we did good. It was all right. We didn't make every net like that, but it was uh, it was fun. You know, we spent a little time there and came back, and you know. So did, did you are. end up making a pit stop at Little Alien? Did not. Uh, we discussed it. So, Connie, if you're listening, yes, we do want to get out there here shortly. Um, I think in the spring. roads weren't the greatest, to be yeah. honest with you.
1: So, yeah, I think in the spring we should go down there. Make a visit out there. Yeah, Should.
0: definitely. We'll do that. Um speaking of TV, by the way, I am not done with it yet. And I believe you guys are, but uh I was do I was going to pull a quick plug for uh, Hellier season 2. Yeah, because damn.
1: I really I really liked it a lot. It's a very good show if you haven't watched it, check it out.
0: Yeah, no, I'm impressed with it completely. Uh better than one. I mean, not I would say better than one. It's about the same premise, but it's you can tell the production value is in a little bit more. Yeah. Um, Man, some of the yeah. things
1: that happen in there are just so weird. The
0: synchronicities, I don't get.
1: The balloons and then.
0: Yeah. Oh, the one in the woods when he found the
1: Gabby yeah, Birkin. And, then, and book. then the other one. Like, I'm like, what in the hell?
0: I know. Why is this all coming together? This yeah. It's pretty cool. So, anybody out there who does not know, um, Dana and Craig Newkirk are uh, two paranormal investigators. They've been doing it for a while, actually, about a decade, I think. At They've least. got a um, traveling paranormal museum that they, they host. And then uh, three years ago, four years ago, they did season one of Hellier. It's like a six parter. Um, where they followed up on this crazy shit happening in Kentucky.
2: Yeah, they and, um, actually refer to season one as a necessary prologue to season two. Um, nice way to put it. Like, yeah, because season one is a little bit slow. They don't find anything. There's only like four episodes. Too, yeah, right? like five. I think F- four. Or five yeah, episodes. there's
0: not much. Yeah.
2: Um, but the they've been making the rounds on uh-huh. the on the press junkets for season two and they've been calling season one, like they basically started filming season two, like right after they wrapped on season mm-hmm. one. Um, yeah. cause they found a well, they of kept crazy getting, shit.
0: Yeah. They kept getting clues and hints and more emails and it just let them down the rabbit hole. Kind of crazy, but you know, what we're, we're checking out. So, um, we recommend it here at strange jungles and then, uh, hopefully you guys like season two. Uh, we had a blast. Uh, we ended it with, uh, Oregon Bob, and we're still in contact with him. So I don't know, maybe in the springtime, early summer, there's an Oregon trip in our yeah. I don't know. Let's do it. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Um, very interesting individual. But uh, hopefully you guys like that. And hopefully for the season, we've got all other things. Uh, we're like booked out, what, 20 different topics? Yeah, they we've got, coming down
1: we've the got a lot. My reading list is <laughs> insane. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm behind on the books. Anytime I'm not reading it or doing research of some kind i feel like i'm like blowing it yeah like so, your slagger yeah. Yeah. yeah i, God, I really way. should not be watching this i need to read that book
0: isn't it odd that i don't feel that way about my work but i feel that way about my <laughs> <laughs> it's like it works like yeah i forgot to do that today yeah. oh but i got to read another chapter on my black arts of magic book <laughs> yeah. it's fucking insane priorities well, what are we what are we getting into today? So this is actually going to be, we're going to start out actually with a quick letter from a listener who writes in. Um, her name's Sue. Uh, she's actually friends of the podcast. And I find that it it would fit very well um, with the topic of uh, what we're going to dive into, which is Ed and Lorraine Warren.
1: Ooh, spooky.
0: I know. I even said it spooky. I tried the best I could. <laughs> uh, And Lorraine Warren. (laughs) Say it again. (laughs) Mufasa. Um, I just find their story fascinating, and um, I find a lot of things about them fascinating. And, you know, we're going to go back and forth on this because I I think with their history, maybe everything wasn't as fascinating as it should have been, I guess, is a word for it, you know? They certainly spun it that way. They did, and so did other people. But then there were other people that kind of debunked them a little bit, um, you know, for what they're... What they intended. So anyway, we're going to get into that. This is going to be actually a part one or part two. Um, but we wanted to start with a letter uh, from this listener, Sue, because I, I feel it fits well within the um, the creepy, I suppose. Yeah. You know, we can go from there. So anyway, uh, this true story began rather simply, and again, this is Sue writing this. Uh, Lori and I worked together in the same business unit of a certain civil service branch and we got along famously considering that she's a sweet-tree-hugging vegan from sunny California and I'm barely-civilized meat-eater from the wilds of the Rocky Mountains. All joking aside, we are friends, although I haven't seen her for several years and can only hope that in eventuality of this story's end, she is now in happier circumstances. I honestly wish her all the best. Uh, she's gotten an immensely kind heart, uh, even cooking the turkey for Thanksgiving banquet in our department, utterly selfless when you consider what the sight or raw flesh and blood normally does to people like Lori. Um, which we'll find out here later, but her desire to do a good deed prevailed and the Turkey was beautifully prepared. Now to the story, Lori's other half Ron and their son T had left the sunnier climbs of California in favor of Utah for the same economic reasons. Many do better jobs, less crime and more family orientated along with them came Lori's older children from a relationship with a man who had become abusive towards the end. Lori is a tiny, platinum blonde, a free spirit, and someone who wouldn't dream of harming another person, even in self-defense. She left the loser for Ron and grabbed the kids and was able to start a happier life in the beehive state. Until she started coming into work, looking like she either hadn't slept for days or had been involved in electroshock experiments, either one, uh, neither of which was in keeping with her easy manner. She talked less, sitting silently, working much of the time, and seemed both distracted and deeply troubled. Occasionally, she'd come in from the break with tears streaking down her cheeks, her makeup smeared, and a forlorn look like the rest of us found disturbing. One afternoon, when many of the others had gone home on liberal leave, I asked her what was going on. She says Ron is changing. He's been hiding my car keys and grabbing my cell phone to see if I have someone on the side. He's saying really horrible things to T and I, and I can't get him to get a job. The older kids avoid him and find every excuse to stay away at a friend's house or whatever so they don't have to be at home. Very distraught, Lori proceeded to elaborate on what was wrong. Several situations had arisen when items around the house would be missing and turn up in bizarre places. Jewelry and the like would disappear, and several of the lights in the home would suddenly switch on or off. Water would turn on and run. The pets would flee from nothing. There were cold spots, generally near the basement, and the constant sensation of being watched once darkness fell. I was absolutely dumbfounded and asked her to tell me everything that had been happening. So she continued from the beginning. Ron and Lori had sold a home in 2006 in California for over a quarter of a million dollars. This was just before the economic disaster that befell many banks and businesses. With the money, they plan to come to Utah, purchase another home, get jobs, and enjoy an easier and less stressful life. When they arrived, they discovered an unusual and large pale green brick home that sat on a corner in West Haven City, which is in Weber County. Uh, farmland surrounded the house, which sat on a couple acres, and the price was right. With plenty of space and seven bedrooms, they felt like they really couldn't go wrong on this deal. There was a garage, and the house was laid out in split-level design, so it had four levels. Each level was staggered, so the home was only a story and a half or so. There was room for a horse or goats or just about any other type of livestock a Harvey farmer would like. Um... At one point, the neighbors were quite chatty, asked about Lori and Ron's household, and commented that it would be nice to see people in the home again. At this point, Lori asked them if they had known the previous homeowners. A shadow passed over their faces as they glanced at one another. Oh, they were wonderful people. We knew them for years. It was so tragic, so sad. The elderly couple seemed reluctant to say much more, but when the group ascended to the windowless lower portion of the house, they found themselves looking at a large kiln with a multitude of shelves and oddments scattered around. There was a, st- a large table, a small sink, and what looked like a tool cupboard of sorts. There were several ceramic doll heads and limbs, and looked as though they had been cast, fired, and were merely awaiting painting and assembling to turn them into large and beautiful collectibles. Many of the heads were shattered, the small limbs strewn about, and similarly broken. The effect of the broken small faces and hands was deeply disturbing. The elderly spoke in a somber voice. Uh, this was Sarah's workroom. She loved creating dolls and went all over the country to various doll expos- expositions and shows. Uh, she won quite a few awards. Marty went with her. Uh, when he wasn't tied up surveying for the county, he became ill. She fell silent. This, of course, simply made Lori and Ron even more curious about the previous homeowners, and Ron said, What happened to them? We heard that the man was sick but was not about, uh, wasn't about the realtors were going to tell us why. The elderly man looked distinctly uncomfortable but finally spoke. Marty was diagnosed with cancer in 1995. It was prostate or some such, but it was advancing fast. He went through chemo and the radiation therapy with Sarah at his side, but he only lasted about 18 months. Since her five kids were all adults and had their own places, Marty and Sarah were pretty much alone, except for the dolls. Sarah divided her time between caring for her dying husband and working on her beloved dolls. She took a great deal of pride in making the faces as realistic as possible. Marty died in February, And Sarah lasted about nine weeks after that. He lowered his voice. No one was talking about what killed Sarah, but there were rumors that she took leftover pain pills of Marty's or some such. The kids were devastated, then angry, and swept in there, throwing a lot of the doll stuff about before clearing out the house and selling it. The mood was very somber. When the old lady piped up, but you're here now and this will be a lovely home for you and your children. We look forward to seeing someone in this house again. Then they left, leaving Lori and Ron with more questions than answers. They eventually got moved in and Lori found a good job. Ron, however, seemed to withdraw to the point where he was no longer looking for work. He'd find pointless things to putter around with in the yard, creating a great deal of concern for Lori and the kids. He stopped talking very much and queried Lori every time she left the house. I had met Ron, and he was a pleasant and likable man as anyone. But he now became sullen, and as if he spoke, it was generally to attack or criticize the kids. The two older ones, who were both teens, elected to move out. Lori got to the point where she could barely stand to be alone in the place. There was always a sense of someone was watching at various times. They'd be cleaning some forgotten cranny and pieces of damaged dolls might tumble out, broken hollow faces staring up at them. Lori swore she heard voices like children whispering at night and Ron simply grunted and shrugged as if she'd told nothing about it. T suffered the most. With his older siblings gone, he became used to going to school and hearing awful stories of the haunted dollhouse, which he lived in at the time. With the cruelty that children sometimes muster, he was subjected to terrible and untrue stories of poisonings and dead children being turned to dolls. More and more often, lights would suddenly turn on and items left on the kitchen counter would disappear. As though unseen, small hands had spirited them away. It was at that point Lori asked me to do some research on the house. So I discovered when it would been built, the full names of the owners, and that they had been distant cousins of my own father. Marty was well-known and highly thought of. Sarah was considered a bit different, but very talented, and was in constant demand for workshops involved her beloved craft. She became an expert in assessing the age and value of the collectible dolls and spent a substantial quantity of time and money creating her doll shop. Dolls she created were sold for a fair amount, though she could not part with most of them. And at the time of her death, there were reportedly over 100 dolls in various stages of assembly in her home. She dealt in various trade journals and worked with other dolls, shops to refurbish rare and antique dolls, being considered an expert in the field. I found the pictures of the home, legal records that were public domain, and a great deal of other information that made up the scope and the day to day activities of the household. Can I just say right here, I hate fucking dolls, mm-hmm. just in general. Yeah. I've never been a doll guy. No, they're creepy. This is probably why right here, letters like this. Thanks, Sue. Uh, Oddly, I could could find no pictures or printed information about the dolls Sarah created. Most of them had been fired, painted, and assembled through the 1980s and 90s until the couple had passed away. Many of the neighbors of the family had one or two of her prized dolls but could never get any pictures of them. People simply weren't talking. All they would say was that they were usually the large type of very detailed and beautiful ceramic-headed dolls you'd seen up for Christmas displays and such. Tremendous attention was paid in the details of each small face. There were child dolls and mature dolls, even doll grandparents. Many of them were two feet tall or more, and some had real leather stitched bodies or ceramic feet and hands lovingly painted. All the people who had seen the collection had said the same thing that it was an amazing display, and they'd never see anything like it. Once I'd exhausted every resource, To find out more about the dolls in the family, I told Lori that from my own experiences that they might be dealing with a poltergeist, but I didn't believe that they were in any danger. The real danger came in the effect the house seemed to be having on Ron. His personality change was disturbing, and it was at this point Lori felt it would be best for T and her to find a different home. She had been with Ron for 13 years, and he had never behaved in this fashion they were facing financial hardships for his refusal to simply work and laurie simply couldn't take the verbal abuse and the suspicion she faced daily from him the house itself seemed threatening no longer the safe haven but a place that had doors suddenly slammed shut and lights go out go on to plunge a trapped document of the room uh, into complete darkness they finally left and ron was now alone in the house there weren't a family any longer at that point Lori and T found another place to stay, and their older kids eventually followed. Ron periodically came around to see T, but looked and behaved worse than ever. His eyes were hollow, he was thinner, he was nervous, as though a grizzly might attack him at any moment. What was troubling him, though, was far less substantial and far dark and more insidious. Eventually, Ron stopped coming around altogether. Lori faced increasingly difficulty in Utah, eventually left her job and moved back to California. T went with her, and most like the older kids, uh, but I never found out what happened to Ron. About six months ago, I set out to find the house. I'd driven past it, dropping Lori off at work, and knew exactly where it was. I wondered if Ron had eventually been evicted and the place sold to another unsuspecting, hopeful family who might have had no idea what they were getting themselves into. Imagine my shock when I discovered the house was utterly gone. Both it and the attached acreage had apparently been sold to a developer, along with some neighboring parcels, where the pale green brick home had been was now a smartly efficient and expensive tract home in a predictable row with its equally expensive new brothers. Absolutely nothing of the old property was left. No trees, no outbuildings, just a cluster of new homes, which I can only hope do not have an unwelcome and dark presence lurking in there, like the house. Equally strange was the chance I recently had to acquire three large and beautifully detailed dolls. Two of them are hand painted and dated 1989. They are a pair of elderly folks, grandma and grandpa, if you will, complete with ceramic shoes, hands, and incredibly detailed faces. The third doll is one of the old-fashioned varieties, a pretty childlike girl with a long white gown, long dark ring licks, melancholy dark glass eyes, and carefully painted features. We think she dates from the 1950s, although there's simply no way to tell. She has no date stamp on her. Uh, I keep them together on a small wooden bench, but not in the house. They are carefully wrapped and protected, even tied to the small bench. I've been advised that they're just too creepy and not to bring them in. <laughs> so there's
2: that story. <laughs> so My grandma had like a massive porcelain doll
1: collection. Oh, fucking sucked. Fuck. They are the uck. worst. Uck. So is she saying that those dolls that she, she has, are they haunted or? um Well, well or she just saying she has a haunted, But she's not sure. Actually, she sent
0: me a picture of it, so maybe we'll put that on the website. She has a picture of the two dolls, and they are pretty goddamn creepy. Are they creepy. the
1: dolls from the house? She thinks the two were. Oh, okay. Yeah, the 1989 ones. Okay. I think so, I missed that. I was like, I yeah. thought she was just talking about her two dolls that she has all of a sudden. No. It's like, well, oh. there's that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, there was
1: – at my grandma's
2: house, she had, like, all these huge display cases that were just full of them, Ugh. and it, like, was in the weird – uh, like uh, living room area that they never used that I always ended up having to sleep in when we went to visit. <laughs> of
1: course. Of course. Yeah. So whatever happened to Ron? You I don't f- know. Don't know. Don't know where Ron went. It's kind of leaving us on a cliffhanger. Right I though. kind of like, feel. Well, thanks, Sue. <laughs> yeah, maybe we could <laughs> no, get his weird. last
2: name and try and track him down.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I hear it's other things like, like uh, that. It's kind of like The Shining or something, you know? In a way, yeah. Yeah. All the ghosts start making him crazy. Right. I oh uh, yeah the, uh, the mom and Danny are like, Yeah, we gotta get out of here. There is a guy in my hometown that was
0: like that. That I evidently he was practicing to be a priest and he snapped some somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. But he was a genius. Like we wouldn't talk to anybody. He'd just ride a bike around town and they would offer him free coffee. Whatever restaurant he'd come into, they'd offer him coffee. And uh one day I my dad did, so he picked up all the metal and all the bars for the valley. Like he had the, the, it was whole business at the time. I was like 12, I was making side money. And uh, they had a crossword puzzle laying out in the bar and the wanderer, which is what they call this guy, he comes in and he sits down at the bar and uh, he had, pour him a cup of coffee and I'm loading stuff up for granddad. And I get, it couldn't have been more than maybe 10 minutes at the most. And they've been working on this crossword puzzle for like a month evidently. They, they just couldn't get it all figured out. And uh, when they came back in, the wanderer was gone. He was out the front door. And every single puzzle was done. The whole thing was completed. Like he was an insane genius of some sort, but just would wander around town. And everybody kept saying that he had, he was haunted somehow, somewhere. Was his name Ted? I don't know. No, his name was not Ted. Okay,
2: just checking. Why? What's (laughs) the Ted? Kaczynski? Oh, no.
0: Oh, yeah. No.
1: Living up in Montana.
2: (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs)
1: right. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Maybe he's, now he got me thinking. Uh, Mm. I don't know.
1: Well, thanks for writing in. Yeah, appreciate that. I I I'm kind of feeling like I really need to know the rest of the story. <laughs> I kind of really know like what's we, wrong with the like, <laughs> I feel like we got half of it, and now I'm like, well, so what else? Damn I <laughs> uh, well, you know what? She'll listen
0: to us, and uh, if she has more to share, by all means, and and by all means, anybody out there can write in, call in. You can call our hotline at eight oh one two five two sixty nine. Woohoo! 45. You can actually email us too at strangeuncles at gml.com. You can check out our website at mystrangeuncles.com. And uh, we actually have recently added a lot of research uh, write-ups on there. So we've got something cool for the holidays. Um, This actually, this Warren's episode might go on there in one way or form or another. um, And you can find links, friends of the website, everything else on there. Um, So yeah, by all means, you know, come find us and come write us. Let us know your weird intentions and your stories on your side. But um, with that being said, I guess we can leap into this bulk of the story.
2: Does that yeah, sound good? Let's,
1: let's dive into the Warrens. All right. Awesome.
2: Awesome. The Warrenner brothers. No? No. No. Okay. No.
0: Warren brothers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> on March 3rd, 1974, Mr. Peter Beckford, age 50, made a note on the kitchen calendar. His daughter Vicky's car had just gotten a flat tire on a trip to the drugstore. Pouring himself another Sunday morning cup of coffee, Pete Beckford could hardly have imagined that this seemingly ordinary event was the beginning of an all-out siege by violent, inhuman spirits that would begin with acts of vandalism and end in the near total destruction of his small ranch house. Hell would break loose in the Beckford household because the night before, 19-year-old Vicki Beckford had crossed the line. She invited a demonic spirit to manifest. Though the deceived girl gave this permission unwittingly, she nevertheless committed a supernatural transgression of the highest order. What resulted was per- perhaps the worst case of diabolical attack the Warrens have ever experienced. The actual beginning of the case would have to be dated a year earlier though, Ed states. That's when Vicki began using the Ouija board. In this day and age, her motive for seeking spirit communication was somewhat understandable. Bored and lonely, she was seeking excitement, her family was strict and religious and kept a tight rein both on her and her 15 year old brother Eric. A brooding adolescent, Vicki had a few friends and withdrew into herself. One night, in futility, she decided to try to find a friend on the Ouija board. After everyone had gone to bed, she placed the magic talking board on the floor, put her fingers on the planchet, and began asking questions.
0: And that, ladies and gentlemen, is an excerpt out of uh, one of the book, one of the resources we're going to use for this episode uh, called The Demonologist. And I see one well, the author on that one.
1: Written by Gerald Brittle. Yes.
0: Yeah, so Gerald Brittle is actually a Catholic priest who met them in uh, early 80s. Um, we're going to basically unwrap it from there, talk about some of their cases, some of their history. John and Josh are going to cover some of the other side of Maybe they weren't all what they were cracked up to be, um, but at the same time, I, I think just because of their story and their lifespan, it's well worth an episode. At least we can give them that.
2: Vicky, Mm-mm. what you doing, girl? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't fucking play with Ouija boards. That's just uh, dumb. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Despite all the weird shit we both we all three like, I don't I don't do none of us do Ouija boards. Um, I won't. I
1: did I, the, won't. I did a Ouija board when I was 16, and I haven't touched one since. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and good. You probably shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, uh,
1: yeah. I don't know what just happened, but uh, oh. it was a terrifying three hours of my life.
0: Yeah, I did once, one, two. Never, never again. Yeah. So anyway.
1: Um, so yeah, I mean, the Warrens yeah. are definitely interesting,
0: to say the least. Very much so. I, whether you believe them yeah. or not. Well, and that's what we're going to decide here, yeah. I guess. So uh, let's Fact go ahead into the- <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> So let's go ahead and go to the spiel a little bit. Uh, the paranormal field for years has been chock full of characters that have cast their shadow and their reputation on the research and pursuit of the high strangeness. Even back in the mid-1800s with the first group of ghost hunters founded in England to spiritualist organizations that swept through America in the early part of the century to well-known fordean researchers such as Charles Fort and Hans Holzer, the list of famous paranormal investigators has grown long. But perhaps no other researchers have the kind of reputation that Ed and Lorraine Warren had. In recent times, they had been discovered by a whole new group of people that may have not known them previously, but with the release of movies like The Conjuring, this has reinvented the story of Ed and Lorraine to a whole new generation. Their stories, albeit Hollywooded, pretty harshly to gain audience, continues to bring in the crowds. However, just like everything else, especially the realm of the paranormal, is the truth as point blank as it seems? There are millions of people in this world that still do not believe in the paranormal, let alone stories as fantastic as what the Warrens experienced. Words such as charlatans or hoaxers are often shared in the same breath when discussing Ed and Lorraine and the cases they have documented. (coughs) Fraud. Yeah. Well, I could add a (laughs) fraud. But because their encounters seem so fascinating, is that a reason not to believe? Do we try and debunk them because it's easier or accept that there are things in this world that we just cannot wrap our minds around and some individuals such as Warrens have tried their hardest during their lifetime to spread their knowledge and help the unfortunate souls and families that were trapped in these sorts of supernatural nightmares. That's the rabbit hole we're going to go jump into now. Ladies and gentlemen, sit back, grab a cocktail and follow along with us as we unweave the strange and at times impossible to believe the world of the Warrens.
3: that it was diabolically infested. And on a scale of one to 10, I would have to say that Amityville was a 10. We're right. It all started out looking like there could have been human spirits. They would see human spirits. Even our researchers witnessed human spirits. Mm -hmm. But there was something altogether different. Besides that human element, there was something inhuman.
2: So, Ed Warren was born in 1926 and grew up in Connecticut, uh, where, as a coincidence, his childhood house was known to be haunted. Ed would hear sounds and thumps at night, closet doors squeaking open and slamming shut, and shadows wrapping around his bedroom ceiling. Ed would tell his father what he was seeing, and Ed says his dad would say, quote, Ed, there's a logical reason for everything that happens in this house. But Ed said he never came up with a logical reason.
0: That sounds just like my dad. Yeah. Well it sounds just like me <laughs> whenever
2: anything weird happens at my house and Aubrey freaks out and know, it's like eh, right.
0: eh, I don't know. It's the pipes. The it's lights are
2: plugged the, in. It's the pipes, dear. It's the pipes. <laughs> Ed Warren's father was a policeman. Uh, And I cannot stress this enough, fuck the police. (laughs) Uh, And a very down-to-earth person who only knew what he saw in front of his face. Raised as a devout Catholic, Ed, along with his family, never missed a Sunday going to church. His grandfather was very devout as well, and as strange as it seems, when his granddad passed, he bequeathed all his money to the church where they had made a giant stained glass portrait of St. Michael.
0: I think that would really piss me off, by the way, if all the money that um, my family made went to that's, the church. Oh, my
1: God. That's pretty, pretty so common. Cool.
2: Like, that's a thing that happens a lot, where people will leave everything to the church and not just the Catholic church. Like, Yeah. Right. It happens yeah. LDS a lot, too. And it's just like, they don't the need any more need
1: money. <laughs> hook.
2: Uh, I need money. I, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> Saint Michael, as we all know, or maybe you don't. I didn't. I didn't know this until I. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't really know much about the saints, demons, <laughs> and saints. Not well versed in demons. Yeah. Mm. No. Except my own inner, mm. my own ass
2: demons. <laughs> um. Anyway, Saint Michael was the archangel who drove Satan out of heaven. So take that, Satan. Uh. As Ed got older. Uh, what he was hearing in church in regards to the devil and demons got more interesting in his personal life. Or sorry, got more intense in his personal life. When he was a teenager, he would see a nun all the time in his room. She would look sickly and pale and even sometimes talk to him in his dreams. The nun would say, you will tell many priests which road to go down, but you yourself will never become a priest. Boom, burn. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, God, can I please never have sex ever again? Right. Right. Uh, uh when he finally came out and told his father about the nun he would see continuously and describe her in detail his dad got faint and pale as he explained to his son that what he was seeing was his aunt who was practicing to be a nun but never made it due to horrendous physical issues and finally passing away
0: oh auntie god damn it
2: uh this would all make sense to uh or make sense as to what his aunt would say to him in his dreams because fast forward years ahead ed became a demonologist where he worked very closely with priests during encounters that he and lorraine would experience he would be one of the only people in the world to be a demonologist and blessed by the church without having to be ordained a priest which a lot of people
0: a lot okay i know i was gonna ask okay
1: (laughs) yeah a lot of people say that's a false claim that he just says that but that's that's not the case he actually was yeah. not ordained by the church to do exorcisms or anything foreshadowing moment um that might be a theme with ed and Lorraine. <laughs> oh yeah well there
0: well. you go
1: meanwhile a mere three blocks away from the home that ed grew up in little did he know lived his future partner in crime soulmate and wife lorraine was also born in 1927 and grew up as a proper little girl in a traditional irish household However, as normal as her upbringing was, she soon found out she was a little different than everyone else. At the age of 12, she recalls, I was attending an all-girls private school. It was Arbor Day, and we were all on the front lawn, standing around a circle with a shovel hole in the ground. Well, just as soon as they put the sapling in the ground, I saw it as a full-grown tree. I was in wonder, looking up in the branches and the leaves, blowing in the wind. A nun behind me prodded me in the arm and asked me why I was looking up into the sky and not paying attention. These nuns at Catholic school places just sound. Horrible. I like you read uh, that, too. You're like, I'm pretty. you going to get hit in the head with a ruler. I'm, <laughs> I'm like 100% sure that she was not that gentle overnight, nice, <laughs> yeah, so I'm sure. <laughs> um, I told her I was looking at the tree, swaying full size in the breeze. She instantly pulled me out of the group and scolded me for making things up. It was from that moment on I realized not to mention my clairvoyant capability to anyone, including my mother, if I didn't want to get shunned throughout my life. It just so happened when Ed was sixteen working as an usher at the Colonial Theater in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and it was there that he met Lorraine Rita Moran. Oh. Lorraine Rita Moran. Lorraine and her mother used to come every Wednesday night, Ed remembered. I'd see Lorraine coming in and we started talking and we became friends. I was sixteen at the time and she was sixteen. I uh, that Go figure. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> One night I walked her home and asked at her least he's if she's f- not a pervert. <laughs> yeah, well that's true. Uh, allegedly,
2: well, in this a, situation, let, let's not accuse him of other things, let's just
0: keep to the
1: yeah, just kidding. Uh, one night I walked her home and asked her for a date, and that's how it all got started. So it began. Ed Warren went into the Navy on his 17th birthday, and four months later, after his ship sank in the North Atlantic, he was home for 30 days' survivor's leave. It was during that leave that the two were married. When Ed returned after World War II, he and Lorraine had a daughter, and Ed went to Perry Art School for two years. Thinking they were going to start life out as artists, not in the paranormal field, they both practiced on their paintings. I'm really pissed that that drop wasn't in the Navy by the
2: village people. You have (laughs) failed me, Shane.
0: I know I failed miserably. I refuse to fucking play that out loud. It was her painting that the Warrens began their ghost investigations. If Ed heard of any place that claimed to be haunted, whether a haunted house or haunted location, he would drag Lorraine to check it out. Oh, Ed, she would say. There's so much, uh, so no such thing as ghosts, Lorraine would say. Ed would remind her of his days at the haunted house in Bridgeport where he grew up and all the shadows he'd seen. And the nun. And Lorraine would actually go after he threatened with that. <laughs> Which Nuh-uh, I would do, I'm my thinking. My house was haunted. Yeah, Me too. Uh, Now, this is kind of funny of how fate seemed to turn in one way or another. It was through the paintings that the Warrens got themselves into these haunted houses over and over, uh, and then they would talk with the homeowners one-on-one. Basically, Ed just wanted to see if the same things happened to those families that happened to his family while growing up. Ed's quote, I go out in the middle of the road where they could see me all uh, doing the sketch of the house, and you see the curtains go back and forth. What's this kid doing, they would say. Uh, I would do a really nice sketch of the house with the ghost coming out of it and I give it to Lorraine. She'd go knock on the door and with her Irish personality, she'd Racist. say, <laughs> oh my husband loves to sketch and paint haunted houses and he made this for you. I made it special for them. This started Anna and Lorraine on an incredible journey. In 1952, they founded the New England Society for Psychic Research, and the goal was just to investigate hauntings. But soon turned into much more. Cases they looked into would turn into more than simple knocks or shadows. In 1965, they studied a case where a spirit of a little girl named Cynthia would come through a transmedium. Now, who knows about transmedium? Anybody knows what one of those are? Mm, I don't want to assume uh, our audience stars. Charlatans. God, you're so fucking, God. Happy New Year, dude. So nice. Jesus. Uh, I explain them, it. Explain it. To I us. calls them as a sees them. Trance medium. So basically, it goes uh, beyond the psychic mediums where they can pick up on psychic thoughts. They supposedly, again, supposedly, the spirits can talk through them. Mm-hmm. So they become a ventriloquist dummy, basically. Yeah, yeah.
2: They, they go into yeah. a trance and will basically be like, Okay, spirits, if you're here, please tell us what you want. Yeah, mm. right? Um, uh, right.
1: I am Archangel Michael. You guys should like give the church money. I don't know. Bye. Like, the, I I know I always bring this book up, Surviving Death, though. But she goes to a few seances with. Oh, does she? Like that. Yeah. I haven't started that yet. I can't it's, wait. Actually, it's by I Diane King. It. Uh, by Leslie King. Leslie King. Goddamn. Yeah. I I can't recommend her books enough. Yeah. And that book, that book really like shook me up a bit because it's like, because I do trust her. I, f- I feel like she's an investigative journalist God. that's trustworthy.
0: I got to push it up on my lineup now. So, damn
1: it. Yeah. But, um, she has some pretty wild stories with trans mediums and stuff like that.
0: Well, so and and on that same subject too. Um, so I we mentioned Hans Holder Holzer in the very beginning of this whole thing, which was one of the uh, spiritualists back in 1950s 1960s. Um, he used trans mediums a lot, mm-hmm. and there are recordings of uh, some things that they would say of the spirits in the house, and it is just fucking downright creepy, yeah. accurate, spot on, just weird. I don't know. It depends which way you want to look at it.
1: I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure there's. Man, I'm sure 95 no. of these people are frauds and fakes. I I just, like it. let's go I 98. Just keep thinking of the Long Island Medium. Oh Jesus, yeah. dude! Don't even.
0: God, I'd rather watch a fucking dog show than that show. Jesus. Anyway, with that being said, enough bashing on mediums. Are we good there? Uh, there's no bashing. Dude, on we, no, I was just saying that like a lot of them channel. There's a lot of frauds out there, dude. And do some shit that is obviously yep. not agreed. Real. Totally agreed. You know, I went to a medium one time. Didn't do me look anyway. a good, but any happy ending. Well, they said I was going to live by a large body of water. Uh, ta-da! Salt Lake. So there you go. I guess that was accurate. Whatever. <laughs> Anyhook, the spirit was looking frantically for her mother. And again, the spirit was uh, named Cynthia that was going through the medium. And Ed and Lorraine thought that this was more than investigations. They had to find a way to help these earthbound spirits detach and on the flip side of the coin, help families that had attachments or were experiencing violent hauntings to be at peace. Through their years of investigations, they formulated an idea on exactly what this phenomena was or how it interacted in our world we see. There is going to be a quote here I'm going to read and then we're going to do a clip um, and then we'll go forth from there. So to quote Ed Warren from the book Demonologist, uh, written by Jared Brittle.
1: If you look at a fan and it's standing still, you can see the propellers very easily. But if that fan starts up, you can't see anything. It's invisible. Spirits are on that different vibrational field. They're all around us right now, but you can't see them. But if you were like Lorraine, you could see them clear visually, hear them claw... Claire audio Claire
0: not a word. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's the weirdest
1: up. word I've ever seen, but um, he says, I can't, and it wouldn't pay for me to do that because as an investigator, people would think I'm a little odd seeing ghosts flying around when they couldn't see anything. So I have to see it. I have to feel it. I have to hear it. I have to record it before I accept it. But mediums and clairvoyance are very necessary to us because they tell us immediately if something is there. I wouldn't know. I could go into a building for a month and not know if there's something really there. I could interview the people and maybe through my knowledge, I could tell if something is there, but the clairvoyant is the draw. The spirits are drawn to a medium slash clairvoyant like a moth is drawn to a flame. Many times we use three or four clairvoyants in one place. We take them into a house one at a time. They don't know where they're going, what the case is about, etc. And if they all tell me the same thing, which they see a woman's spirit in a certain room or a man or a child, then I know that we're on the right track. N-E-S-P-R's work is based in religion, but also uses science. People have said to the Warrens, oh, God, you go into a house and you look for devils. And Ed's response, you're damn right I look for devils and I look for everything else, too. And I have the scientists with me and they're looking for something else. And we get together and we talk and straighten the whole thing out. Nobody can bring us into a house and fool us. You couldn't tell us that your house is haunted and get away with it because I'm the biggest skeptic going, right? I have Mm -hmm. to, I have to, I have to see it. I have to hear it and I have to feel it with the physical sense. I do think scientifically we do have scientists working with us and I think theologically and scientifically. There are organizations of atheists, so-called skeptical investigators, that say, there is no proof scientifically that God exists, that spirits exist, that miracles occur. That's ridiculous. There's all kinds of proof. In the occult museum, we have hundreds of items. We have thousands of cases between here and the other buildings out there that prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that the supernatural exists and the pre natural exists. We have thousands of pictures of ghosts, and I'm not talking about filmy, ectoplasmic-type material. I'm talking about spirits that are as clear as you and I. You ask us for evidence, we'll give you that evidence. Scientists would say, you didn't prove a thing because you didn't take that ghost and put it in a bottle so we can open him up and examine him. That's stupid. They're saying that scientifically that you have to prove that God exists, that ghosts exist. There's no such thing. You can't get scientific in a supernatural world.
2: But... But... But <laughs> you can, and you can you can try. Like I mean, they were trying with bringing in the equipment and everything True. that they did. Sure, they were, and prove it. And you can get scientific. I mean, that is it. Of course, anyone who doesn't believe in this shit, who's grounded in like the scientific method and stuff, is going to say, "Okay, you can fake a fucking photo like." throw that ghost trap on the ground and fucking catch me a goddamn ghost and then maybe I'll believe you. Mm-hmm, you right. Know? And I think that's fair.
0: Well, with well, that being okay, so, and that's that's a good topic. Actually, that's a good discussion platform. Um, we're going to play one clip and then we're going to kind of uh, beat her back and forth and wrap up this first part. Um, you've got a good point, but I'm going to, I got some things to rebuttal Wait, that point. are you going to argue with me? I'm not arguing. I'm, not, I'm a lover, not a fighter, dude. As gay as that sounds. <laughs> well, you know, was. I mean, if the
2: weather daddy gear fits <laughs> it, I don't know.
0: Anyway, um, so this clip we want to play, uh, this is actually a uh, theory exclamation, I guess, if you will, about uh, Ed Warren's idea on ghosts and kind of how they work.
3: Down in Monroe, and firemen were called out, police officers were called out. They went out there, and one of the young firemen and a cop were in a truck together, and they were looking for a place to put up the horses. When the cop yelled, stop the truck, stop the truck, he looked up and there was a woman all in white and they hit her and she went over the hood and came back down over. Now there's a convent right there and he thought he must have hit a nun. He said to himself, my God, I'm going straight to hell. <laughs> she came out, you know, and to see yeah. what was going on. They jump out of the truck, the cop and the fireman. they look around the sides, nothing. Uh, there was a lady who was right in back Ruckus. of him in a car And she's yelling, what's the matter with you? Couldn't you see that woman? Couldn't you see her? Mm -hmm. And the cop says, there is no woman. She looks under the truck. She jumps back in her car. She takes off. That was a solidification, which occurred because the atmosphere was full of electromagnetic energy and electricity.
0: All right. So that's his theory on how ghosts form. One of the reasons how ghosts form. Sure. I guess. I don't know. So here's a question with that being said. And uh, again, we're going to wrap up part one here. We're going to go part two, which really is the cases. But my – so obviously, I'm not going to sit here and say that I believe every single thing that these two people did. Because, again, we're all – every one of us in this room do not believe in God. You can't believe in Satan if you don't believe in God, right? Yeah. So there's that. But can you detach it enough to go, okay, you don't attach religion into it, but there is a good and evil is that a way to look at it? I mean, I again the whole demonology thing with casting out god says and then for some reason the spirit leaves. I I I'm I'm on the fence with that because I I don't see how that works necessarily. Yeah. In in my world, I don't see how it works. I mean,
1: it is a way to look at it. Uh it kind of just depends on I think what you think happens to you when you die. Or mm-hmm. my question is, heaven is for real, John. <laughs> <laughs> you giggle out. Well, loud. <laughs> my my question is, you know, maybe ghosts aren't necessarily the dead. Yes, you know, there's there is about that. Yeah, so or just
2: that's only the dead, right? What do you mean? Do you think that it's possible that it's the dead and other things, or that it's not the dead at all? It's just other things.
1: I don't know. It's hard that's to tell. It's, it's, one. it's, it's that's hard a to tough say. One. It's hard to say. Yeah. Um, I feel like I would almost lean into like, cause I I do believe in ghosts. Like I did a Ouija board that 100 percent worked. I don't know if that's ghosts or what that what that is.
0: Well, but, according to Ed and Lorraine, it's you're dealing with inhuman shit.
1: Well, maybe. So, but, you know. Um, but yeah, and I feel like. I don't know. I, I almost don't feel like it's a dead person. Um. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's different energies, was or it? something, something like that. I don't know. It's it just when they're talking about demons and all this stuff, it's like I, I just don't believe in demons. That I mean, I thank bel- you. Uh, but I believe in that's my problem. You
0: know, but they're. But as much as I don't believe in them, as much as we don't ble- like, take the Ouija board for example. As yeah. much as you don't believe in this shit, why are we sitting here saying? Let's not fool with this. I'm like, what scares us about it? If we don't believe in it, then what yeah. really puts this scare into us?
1: Yeah. That's my I question. I mean, it could just open up gateways to different dimensions that I'm we don't I'm not going to buy a fucking Maybe they're yeah. dimensions. Maybe. I mean, or maybe
2: I don't maybe, know maybe how maybe, much Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Angel you all watched, but I watched a <laughs> lot. <laughs> And of were, course you did. There were hell dimensions <laughs> that they referenced all the time, and and the reasoning that they used behind it, like, made fucking sense to me. Mm-hmm. Like it was a great storytelling device, obviously, but it also, like, thinking about like weird shit that
1: I've seen throughout my life, it kind of made sense to me too. Yeah, you know, or maybe they well, are, maybe they are demons, yeah, quote unquote. But does that necessarily mean
0: they have to come from a Christian to, stigma? Yeah, they that's have to not come the case. from
1: hell. Yeah. You know, because I mean, I just,
0: dude, I'll be the uh, last one to tell you I'm gonna go buy a book on like demon names A to Z. I'm not gonna do that. I really don't care, and I don't care to know those names. <laughs> just, yeah.
2: I am I, because uh, it's interesting as fuck to me. Like, I, I it's it interesting, be, but, yeah. but
0: I'm reading the Black Arts right now, and that's enough on the cusp of the threshold. I want to be
2: because, like, whenever they're like, oh, it's a zazel, I'm like, I want to know where if any of the stuff they're talking about in this dumb movie I'm watching is real or like true to legend or if they're just whoever wrote it found like a and when you come to find Bible, out they
1: actually did some of the research shit up you yeah. know yeah well you know so and i mean and honestly i do believe a little bit that it could be you know the deceased but it's just it's just my thing is when they
0: talk about and again you know we'll follow up with this in the next one but when they talk about seeing these Ghosts, and they're in you know, middle of medieval attire, or they're in uh, turn of the century attire, or they're. I mean, to me, that you're just it's just energy that's repeating, yeah. It's to me just that's, stuck.
2: That's more of like stone tape theory type stuff, yeah, yeah, um, or high spirits.
0: <laughs> Did you really <laughs> fucking bring that movie? <laughs> that's fucking awful,
2: <laughs> um, but no, like, I, I do think there might be some legitimacy to demons are real but they're not what we think they are. Yeah. That's yeah. that's so what like, I'm that's what I'm thinking. Like maybe they do exist in a, another dimensions like the Jinn, you know, like mm-hmm. they exist out extra dimensionally from us. So mm-hmm. like Oh now are you talking the Japanese
0: the folklore Jin or the uh which ones are you talking no, about? No, I'm talking about like uh more Arabic folklore. Oh gotcha. Okay.
2: Um but uh maybe it's something more along the lines of that. Um where they they do exist extra dimensionally from us, so that they are a thing that might not be. If you want to go ahead and label things good or evil, they're probably not good, but uh-huh. they might not necessarily be evil either. They might just like need something.
0: They're just misunderstood. Well, that's the problem. Well, we I get mean, into D-
2: A predator. If you're talking about animals and like life forms, a predator is not evil. It just needs to eat. Yeah, or you,
3: yeah, because you know, it has its own needs. If we right. want to get into, we just don't get it.
1: If we want to get into D and D terms, it's just like. Chaotic neutral.
0: What God the fuck did it. you just say? <laughs> Don't worry about it.
2: Uh, <laughs> sorry to, one I'm not listener a DD guy. <laughs> that just got a huge boner.
0: <laughs> His name is Josh Asher. <laughs> that is hilarious. And on that note, we're going to wrap up uh, part one of the Ed and Lorraine Warren series. Um, you guys got any plugs? Anything to add?
2: Uh, we do have Soshi Meads if you guys want to see what our doughy dumbasses look like. Uh, you can see that on Instagram at uh, Strange Uncles Podcast at Instagram. That's also us on Facebook. And on Twitter, we are just Strange Uncles. So
0: find us. <laughs> That's tempting. <laughs> That's tempting right there. Everybody's going to go, oh my God, that guy, that voice. <laughs> no. And uh, again, call us with your stories if you want to. 801 252 69. Nah. 45 uh, let us know what's going on um, we want to hear it like I said our lines are open um, you can leave a three minute message if it goes over call back again we'll splice that together and we'll tell your story you know um, we're just like I said my I as it is my life is this and you <laughs> you guys are too so
1: you know and we'll be we'll be back next week with uh, the second part yeah when we dive into the cases so
2: yeah uh, cases cases I, I was gonna say something and I thought better of it so I'm just gonna leave it be I'm just gonna back into the you're gonna shrubbery. be negative
1: weren't you sir <laughs> <laughs> all right well I think we can close the gates close the gates guys <laughs>